Hello everyone, it's Christy Russell here from Movers and Shakers Music and welcome to episode 5 of the Music and Mindset Matters podcast. Today I would love to continue the conversation about mindfulness. Um, now I started this last week uh, talking about mindfulness hacks that were more probably relevant to just a general idea of what mindfulness might look like for you. Um, and it was really sort of focusing on adults or, um, not that I specifically said that, but when I listened back to it, I, um, I realized that it was really just talking about it in general. And I didn't really go too much into how it looks like in early childhood. So that's what I would like to continue today. And so the lens, I suppose, it's a good way of saying it, the lens that I'm going to be looking at, looking through while I chat today is really around prevention is better than cure, sort of that early intervention idea. Now, if that terminology is new to you, it really just means um, early intervention is a way of looking at uh, what a child needs, what developmentally, if there if there's any delays, if there's any challenges, if there's any diagnosed um, disorders or illnesses supporting the child and their family um, to give them the best start in life. Now as a general term it is it, it is what it is early intervention so we're intervening early on in the um, with the intention of putting into plan you know a specific set of actions or goals or both sorry setting some goals and then specifically putting in action steps to achieve those goals. Um, with the again with the idea that you know if we do these things then this is going to um, set the child and their family up for success um, throughout life um, so it's a really it really does lend itself to that prevention is better than cure in some ways so um, that's where we're going to go today and thank you by the way to the people that I've spoken to that gave me some lovely feedback about the podcast and how it really supported them in particular this past week. That's wonderful to hear. This is exactly why I'm doing these podcasts. I mean, I do love to have a chat. I really enjoy it. I've said that to you before. But my intention is to be able to reach people through their hearts and support them and hopefully the stories that I share or the insights that I share the things I talk about will give you some kind of support that you need. Some kind of, maybe you don't realise you need it, but some kind of food for thought or some little light bulb moment or something that you can share with a partner or a friend or a colleague or your children. Um, so that's, that's what really motivates me in life. I know that I'm put on this beautiful earth, beautiful crazy earth, let's just be honest, um, to do some form of healing, I think. I, you know, I know that sounds probably a bit hippy-dippy, but then that's just me. That's who I am. Um, so, yeah, going off a little sidetrack already, but, um, yeah, let's continue the chat about mindfulness and really how that might look in early childhood. Okay, have a tiny little break. You get yourself comfy. I'll grab a drink and I'll be back in a sec. Hello and welcome to the Music and Mindset Matters podcast. 
I'm your host, Christy Russell. I'm a music and mindset mentor and founder of Movers and Shakers Music. I'm also a trained early childhood teacher, piano teacher, musician, mum of two, wife and passionate Aussie entrepreneur. I'm on a mission to spread the magic and power of music and mindset to as many people as possible. Every day I tap into the power of music and mindset and every day I notice how much more focused, resilient and connected I am at work and at home. You could even say I am more in tune with myself and the world around me and I want that for you too. If you're passionate about early childhood education, curious about the relationship between music, mindfulness and the human brain, then this podcast is for you. Join me each week as I discuss all things to do with music, mindfulness and why it matters so much to be advocating for this in early childhood. My goal is to inspire you with stories, research findings and a whole heap of practical tips so that you can have the confidence and skills to embed music and mindset practices into your daily routines and your early learning programs. Because when we love music, we love learning, we love life. Let's tune in. Okay, so if you weren't listening last week or if you haven't been following me on my journey, um, welcome. It's lovely to have you here. Um, please make sure you're following me on socials and uh, subscribing to the weekly, weekly newsletter because that's really where you'll get those extra information, some more practical tips, some ideas. You'll be able to find out what's coming up in terms of courses or webinars um, at the moment, you know, obviously I've got a webinar coming up that is really on mindfulness hacks for preschoolers. So that's what I want to talk a lot about today. Um, but we also have the waitlist open for the music and mindset course, which is our comprehensive course. And that goes into really a lot more detail about, um, you know, the topics that I have in the webinars. It goes into a bit more detail about music and the brain function, about um, mindfulness, how your mindset matters and how you can support um, young children that you're working with and caring for. talks about um, the resources that are really great to use in terms of music and movement. Um, it talks about um, always brings it back to your curriculum and your national quality standards so that you're making sure that you're understanding why those policies and guidelines have been put into place and what that means in practice. That's very important, very important for early childhood educators. And just as a little segue, I think that's something from the feedback that I've heard, oh my gosh, for so many years, from all sorts of people, not just directors and management leadership staff, but educators themselves, um, is that it's really sometimes very challenging uh, for educators to put their knowledge into confident practice. And that's really where I want to bridge that gap. You know, that's, that's what I feel like my mission is, to really turn people's knowledge into confident practice. Like, what does that actually look like? Because I know myself, when I'm learning something, and I love learning, I actually, I love learning. So I've already got the passion for learning but I still have to work on well, what does that mean? Like, what am I actually understanding what I'm reading or what I'm studying? Can I put it into a practice that makes sense or that shows that I'm transferring my knowledge? 
Um, and that's something that I know that people who might need to do studies, young children, old, older um, teenagers, adults, I know sometimes that when you don't have a natural passion for learning, it's already a little bit more challenging to then make sure that you're transferring your theory into practice. That's why a lot of people really enjoy just more hands-on skills because um, the way that they understand knowledge is not necessarily in their brain, it, in like in their cognitive capacity, it's more in through their hands and through the doing. And, you know, there's a lot of different ways that people learn. Some people are really visual, some people are really auditory, some people are those hands-on practical. So having an understanding of what your um, your learning style is, is can be really helpful and can set you up for success straight away. If you're not sure of it, then you could be sort of wading through this murky water going, oh, I don't know, am I... F- you know, feeling bad about yourself or feeling like you're not succeeding because you're you just haven't found the, the way that you learn best. And I think that's um, part of another thing about early childhood education and education in general. Our industry um, necessitates us to reflect on how we learn and how we teach and what our, you know, Yes, what our philosophy is that underpins everything, but then what our pedagogical practices look like in practice. And so we need to be able to make sure that we're offering, when we're teaching our young children, whether you're you know, early childhood, prep grade one, grade two, or upper primary um, high school adults, you know, you need to be able to make sure that you're able to, as an educator and teacher, deliver the, uh, the learning in a way that's going to catch as many people as possible, catch as many students and learning styles as possible. And that's a really tricky responsibility for educators and teachers because there's not one way, you know, back in the day, there used to be one way and that was rote learning. But through research and over time and looking at, you know, how do we see a student? How do we see the child? How do we see us as a practitioner, as a, sorry, as a, a pedagogical um, leader, teacher, you know, what does that look like for us? So we've come to a point at this time in, um, in this generation, I guess you would say that, you know, there's, there's a lot more to process as an educator. There's a lot more demand on us to be able to be multi-skilled. I mean, we're multi-skilled anyway, let's, Let's be honest, all educators are. We've got to, you know, you could have your lesson plan all done and or your program planned and then, you know, the kids come in and the dynamics are off the charts and or you might have, you know, a, a teacher that's absent or, you know, something happens and you've got to completely then look outside the box and, and see how how you can sort of, you know, tweak things and, and cope with the, you know, respond to what's happening at that time so um, I know that's not really right now to do with mindfulness but I'm getting to the point so I'm taking a long journey around it Um, I think what the point is that I'm trying to make is that the way the way we teach and the way we educate needs to have an element of mindfulness in it just like the way we teach and learn has to have you know a process you know what the knowledge is how are we going to do that how are we going to apply it 
I think the whole point I'm trying to make is that um, mindfulness comes into everything that we do. So, but we could also uh, use it as part of our curriculum. I don't know why we don't do that more. I really don't. It just baffles me. So many teachers I talk to, again, primary school, early childhood teachers that are teaching adults, you know, at TAFE and things like that. You know, why don't we bring, <clears throat> excuse me, things like mindfulness into part of our daily routine? Excuse me, I've got a big old frog in my throat. <clears> throat> um, so my, what my mission is, if you don't know it already, is to spread the joy and the power of mindset and music because I really feel that you know, it's my feeling as much as it is my, you know, from what I've read from neuromusic research and things like that, all the research, is that music is almost like, I see it as a portal to be able to deliver so many elements of learning. You know, the mindfulness part, the physical development, the the social skills. You know, last week, if you tuned into my, um, sorry, two weeks ago, I think, um, if you tuned into the podcast about toddlers and I also did a webinar on that, which you can still purchase if you um, follow the links down below, you will see that music is a wonderful way to support toddlers in their social skills because instead of just trying to teach them something in the moment when they're having trouble sharing with a friend, Teach them the skills as part of your daily routine because I know most of you will do some kind of music and movement or have some kind of music. Why not explicitly teach those skills in a fun environment like music and movement so that they start to become embedded in the way that the young child thinks, works, does? Then it'll just start to become a natural progression, a natural embedding into their play and into their life. And, you know, at, at the end of every, um, you know, at the end of it all, I'm just thinking about what my intention is, is to embed music and mindset. And if you want to call it a musical mindset, why not? Um, you know, embed those kind of things in our daily routine, just like we embed the way that we teach literacy and numeracy or pre-literacy and pre-numeracy, just like we teach self-care skills like brushing your teeth putting your shoes on like why why don't we use that same process to to teach mindfulness music and mindfulness you know it kind of just seems like a no-brainer to me (laughs) I mean you might think that I'm a bit strange thinking that but I just think there's so many benefits from tapping into your own positive growth mindset and then there's so many benefits of music musical learning why not combine the two why not start embedding them early as possible coming back to that early intervention we're setting our children up for success in those first five to eight years of life you know I I focus a lot on the birth to five that preschooling because once they get to school it's a different ball game okay once we get to school then we're really you know yes we still learn we're still guided by the early years learning framework but we're guided very heavily with the curriculum the Australian curriculum so there's things that um, things become a lot more 
okay well you need to do this and then you need to show that it's a lot more specific if you look at the you know I'm not going to go right into the curriculums at the moment but if you look at the way I see the early years learning framework is um, because it's extremely play-based there's not as much obvious uh, there's not as many obvious outcomes does that make sense so yes we have an idea so um let's give me an example um okay so okay let's just do communication so you're learning outcome number five communication so you know we know that doing through music musical rhymes chanting um, mimicking back and forth we are supporting the child to develop their language skills their comprehension so their verbal language the ability to actually speak and their ability to comprehend so their understanding and also through that we're um, getting them used to um, the idea that a symbol or um, an image can represent a meaning can have meaning okay so that there when I look at the Australian curriculum for example it's very specific in terms of communication now I should have been more prepared and got an example to show you but I'm just thinking of the strand that's to do with um, phonics so the ability to um, distinguish between different sounds like a e let's talk about the vowels a e e you know the the ability to um, distinguish between s, so what the letter s looks like and what it sounds like um, t, t what T looks like as a symbol and then what it sounds like so it's very when you get to the curriculum in, in um, primary school it becomes very specific and you can then you can sort of um, the sequence and the scope of it becomes a lot more obvious than the early years learning framework now that's just my that's the way I understand it if you understand it a little bit differently that's okay but why I bring that up is because in early childhood so those birth to five years educators have a lot more um, creativity I would say um, creativity a lot more independence on agency about what particular activities they're going to do to support that and I think one of the key things that differentiates early childhood teaching and um, primary teaching is that the play-based zero to five birth to five is that a little bit more open-ended and so it should be because children developmentally are un, you know not ready like if you look at the Steiner philosophy you know they don't um, they don't specific or explicitly teach writing and reading until around the age of seven when the brain is really at that very sort of end of sponginess and starting to um, sort of um, prune the branches of the brain um, to sort of consolidate everything that it's learned in those first sort of zero to seven-ish years. So that philosophy is more about, okay, well, let's do as much pre-literacy, as much pre-numeracy, as much social skills, emotional, um, spiritual, filling your heart cup. So there's a big element of mindfulness, you know, where whereas 
the Australian curriculum in that mainstream. It's just like, okay, once they get to five, once they get to kinder, we're going to start learning sap pin. So S, the sounds at, p, i, n. You know, and some, some children are, are still not ready for that in prep and are still grasping that in grade one. You know, my current role is intervent, literacy intervention um, through the Department of Education. I'm loving it because I'm seeing why pre-literacy and pre-numeracy is so important in those first sort of preschool years because once we get to um, prep, kinder, prep, grade one, grade two, the stakes are really high and we're really making sure that we are tapping into that information to do with our phonological awareness. You know, what we hear, the sounds that we can hear, are we able to repeat those sounds with our motor skills, you know? Are we able to visually track with our eyes to follow along a page? You know, there's so many skills. Again, I'm going a little bit off the top of topic of mindfulness, but I'm trying to point out why we need to focus on the early years, why it's so important. Early intervention, yes, in terms of um, in terms of a medical sort of intervention, but early intervention as in let's make sure that we are setting our children up in those birth to five years. Let's make sure our educators know exactly what the expectations are in primary school. Let's let's support our Certificate three, our diploma qualified, and everyone else who who you know who works in this industry, let's support them with as much knowledge, so that they understand why it's so important to embed all of this stuff into birth and five. Let's, you know, I feel like I'm about to go on a big rant at why early childhood educators, family day carers are seen still at the bottom of the rung in terms of importance and pay and all that kind of stuff oh my goodness it just boggles my mind because it's honestly the most and I say the most important job of course I'm a little bit biased but seriously I think it's one of the most important industries out there education health you know why don't we as a nation as you know why aren't we putting more attention into those early years when we know that you know getting into setting our children up for success on all levels in those early years means that later on in life we are not burdening the health system we are not burdening mental well-being systems we're not burdening the finances the taxpayers like there's that real knock-on effect if we think about it in a big picture level so let's do all that we can to you know to take advantage really it's really taking advantage children are sponges they are desperate to learn they want to learn they're open to learning early on they're open to you know they've got no judgment yet (laughs) they've got no kind of you know no filter certainly no filter oh my goodness but isn't that like isn't that wonderful though let's let's do all we can to make it such a positive experience for them for those first five six you know I talk about five years I know it's really up to seven and eight doesn't mean that after that they're a lost cause or that you know they're going to miss out or whatever but it's just so much more important in those first um, preschool years so you know I've got all these dot points here to to make sure I don't 
go off too too much off on a track and I really you know I've talked about that idea of early interventions in prevention is better than cure I've talked about music as a portal to like you know how I, I've said this to you a few times before it's like sneaking veggies into hamburgers so that your kids so that you're a bit more you know okay with your kids eating vegetables because you know they might not look at a piece of broccoli and go oh that looks tasty um you know but if you snuck it into the veg into the hamburgers then they'll eat it you know so we're sneaking in all of these wonderful skills these these you know we're we're taking advantage of the fact that kids love play and they love imagination and creation and that pretend play let's use all of those things music and movement to give them wonderful skills like really hone their skills in sharing social skills turn taking practicing breathing techniques practicing you know being aware of where their body is in space being aware of what it feels like when you know where do you feel you know that you miss your mum or dad is it in your heart is it in your belly where do you feel you know you don't have to do too much talking depending on the age of the the child but you know sometimes you don't have to do any talking you could just look at them put your arms out to them get down on their level if they come over to you then that's what they need they need a hug okay but, you know, we really need to do all that we can when they're early on as possible, when they're, you know, that birth to five. And that's why I think, you know, I don't want to put any extra pressure on early childhood educators or management or directors. You know, you've got a lot of pressure already. But why not just, you know, invest in the time and the energy and you know make a stand and and go you know what I am going to I am going to you know to spend money to spend resources to spend the time on my staff to educate them I'm going to outsource as much as I can not sorry not outsource I'm going to I'm going to source information as much as I can to support my educators they're in the industry because you know maybe 90% of the time I'm just throwing that around 90% of the time they want to because they've come to the industry because they think they're good with kids some of them think that oh this is an easy job no it's not it's a really it can be a really demanding job um but they've come into the industry for one reason or another so let's try and support them to stay in the industry you know I realize I've gone off on a little bit of a tangent again but you know, it comes back to the mindfulness. You know, there's a lot, there's a huge staff burnout, um, staff turnover in early childhood, you know. In any, I don't want to just leave primary school teachers and high school teachers out. I don't mean to leave you out of the conversation at all. But because I'm focusing on early childhood in terms of this prevention, this early intervention, that's where my, you know, that's where my mission is. Because if if we support the early childhood educators and the children in this level, they're going to come to primary school with that, just that little bit more ability to absorb the information, a little bit more capabilities to, um, to you know, be in a classroom and be have social skills that are, you know, that little bit better, a little bit more 
a um, little bit less challenging. And then think about that going through primary school. They're going to continue being that, you know, a little bit more capable, a little bit. So by the time they get to high school, so do you see the knock-on effect? Then by the time they get to young adulthood, they're going to be that little bit more resilient, that little bit more um, independent in terms of their, their job or their training or, you know, their travelling that they do, you know. So I'm here for the long haul. You know, my thoughts are here. My mission is here for the long haul, the long-term gain. Might be a bit tricky at the start to get people on board, but, you know, I like a challenge and I really am passionate of working with early childhood education, educators and services to, you know, just really remind us of why we're in this industry, how important it is to society as a general, how important it is to all these future generations of, of children. So I feel like I've gone on quite, quite a bit of a philosophical, a bit of a bit of a rant. But you know what? I'm, I'm passionate. So, um, I hope wherever you're listening, it's I'm sure it's given you some food for thought. And let me know, like if you don't agree with me, if you've got, if you want to continue the conversation, I'd love to. Send me a DM, put a little review, um, get in touch with me via email. Happy to chat. You know, happy to hear all sides of the story. Um, I feel like I'd like to just do a couple of deep breaths before we go. So if you'd like to join me and pop your hand on your heart, I'll try not to put it on the speaker this time. Take a deep breath through your nose, blowing it out. shoulders a little roll fingers a little twinkle toes a little wiggle thanks so much for joining me today um, as I said I've got the webinar coming up for mindfulness for mindfulness hacks for preschoolers so the link for that's below or if you follow me on socials you'll you'll know that there's lots of posts um, that talk about that and my website as well so Please don't hesitate to get into in touch with me if you've got any questions or if you're curious about something or if you'd like to finish the continue the conversation yourself. 
Um, have a wonderful day, evening, wherever you are, and I look forward to seeing you next time. Okay, bye for now. Thank you so much for tuning in today. This episode was brought to you by my signature course, Music and Mindset, the most comprehensive online course for early childhood educators and carers. You can check it out at moversandshakersmusic.com.au. Remember the double O in movers, along with lots of other free resources to inspire you and boost your confidence and skills. If you love this episode, please spread the joy. Share it with a friend, tag me on social media at Movers and Shakers Music. And remember to download it and give it a rating because that really helps us to continue creating content that's relevant and useful for you and for many others. I'm Christy Russell and I'm here to help you understand why music and mindset matters. See you again soon.